Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come before you this morning and hear your voice. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it is timeless, that it has wisdom for us today, even though it was written thousands of years ago. Lord, we pray that we may have ears to listen this morning. And Lord, we pray that we may be strengthened in the faith as a result of listening to your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, have you ever been locked out of somewhere, particularly your own home? Have you ever been locked out deliberately by somebody from your own home? This can often happen when you're a child, uh, that one of your brothers or sisters locks you out and you have no way of getting in. I have memories of this. I have older sisters, and one older sister in particular uh, seemed to want to make life difficult for me from time to time. Might have had something to do with me making life difficult for her from time to time. And I do remember being locked outside of the home uh, because of this sister. And children really are quite afraid of being locked out of the house because... That, of course, is where all the goodness lies. That is where the food is, the yummy food. That is where our beds are, places of security. That is where, of course, the family is. And it can be quite distressing if you know that everybody's inside and you're outside and no one seems to be aware that you're outside. It is, of course, where your toys are and it's where the television set is. All the good stuff is inside the house. And so to be locked out, to be outside the family home is something that is quite distressing. And this morning we're going to be looking at the situation of being outside the camp of God. What it means to be outside the camp of God. Because we're going to be looking at this passage in Leviticus chapter 4 and trying to understand what is happening with the sacrifices that are being offered in Leviticus chapter 4 and what is the significance of the fact that they're taken outside the camp. So I encourage you to have your church Bibles open to page 98 open them up to page 98 and chapter 4 of Leviticus and we're going to work through this passage and look at the sacrificial system and the significance of it for us today. And so my first main point this morning is that the sin offering, the sin offering described in Leviticus chapter 4, was taken outside the camp. The sin offering was taken outside the camp. Now, firstly, before we have to understand what happens to the sin offering, we have to understand what is the sin offering. What is going on when an offering is made for sin? And so we see that this sin offering is really a substitute for someone who has sinned against God. It is a substitute for someone who has sinned against God. And we see this given to us again and again in this passage as we look at different types of people who have sinned against God and what happens for them to make a sin offering in replacement for them, to provide a substitute for their their sin toward God. And so we see that it is a substitute by the way that the sinner acts towards the offering. What does the sinner do? Well, he puts his hand on the head of the animal that is to be offered on his behalf. He puts his hand on the head of the animal, which transfers then the guilt for sin from the person to the animal. And we see this mentioned again and again in this text as we look at each type of person and the sin that they have committed then, then it is then transferred to the head of the animal. And so if you look with me in verse 3 of Leviticus chapter 4, we see firstly presented that if an anointed priest sins, then they uh, bring guilt on the people and he must then bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He is then to present the bull at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. He is to lay his hand on its head. He is to lay his hand on its head. So that's the anointed priest. What about if the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally? 
we read that in verse 13. So that first paragraph is there about the anointed priest. Then we move in verse 13 to if the whole Israelite community has sinned, what has to happen? Well, it says they, they bring the bull as a sin offering in verse 14. And then in verse 15, what happens? The elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord. The elders, as representatives of the community, lay their hands on the head of the animal and guilt is transferred over to that animal. And when it's uh, another leader who sins unintentionally, well, that brings us into verse 22. Paragraph 22 and following. Uh, it talks about a leader sinning unintentionally and what is he to do if he presents a sin offering? Well, verse 24 tells us he is to lay his hand on the goat's head. He is to put his hand on the goat's head. So the transfer of guilt goes over. What about just a regular member of the community? Someone who is an anointed priest, someone who's not a leader. What do they do? Well, verse 27 and following gives us that section about if a member of the community sins unintentionally, what they're supposed to do. And we read in verse 29 that he is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering. He is to put his hand on the head of the sin offering and so the transfer of the guilt is put over to that animal. And once that happens, once the guilt is transferred, then the sin offering is killed in the place of that person. The person should be killed for their sin, but instead the sin has been put upon the animal's head and now that animal is killed. And we see that mentioned in these verses as well. In verse four, we see that he lays his hand on the head, the anointed priest lays his hand on the head of the animal and then it's slaughtered before the Lord. And then in verse 15, we read that the elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord and the bull shall be slaughtered before the Lord. It shall be killed. And then in verse 24, when a leader sins, he has to lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it. It's not as though the, the, the guilt is transferred over and nothing happens to the animal. No, it's slaughtered. And then if a member of the community sins, he has to lay his hand on the head according to verse 29, and then it is slaughtered at the place of the burnt offering. So we see the sin offering is a very particular way of offering to God uh, atonement for your sin. You're trying to offer a sacrifice in your place so that you are not uh, penalized for your sin. And then after the animal is slaughtered, what happens next? Well, the blood from that animal is, sacrificed, uh, is sprinkled on the altar. And we see that in verse 5, when it's talking about the anointed priest, it says, then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and carry it into the tent of meeting. He is to dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle some of it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain of the sanctuary. The priest shall then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense that is before the Lord in the tent of meeting. The rest of the bull's blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So the, bull, uh, the bull's blood is taken and put upon the altar and then poured out at the base of the altar. And we see this happen again and again. In verses 13 and following, we see that happens for those uh, who, uh, for the whole Israelite community, the blood is sprinkled on the altar. We see that in verses 22 and following, happening for the leader who sins unintentionally. And we see it in verses 27 and following as well, that the blood is sprinkled. Then what happens to the rest of the animal? Well, all the fat in the animal is burned up. And so if you read with me in verse eight uh, through to 10 of, Leviticus chapter 4 as well there, we see with the anointed priest that he shall remove all the fat from the bull of the sin offering, the fat that covers the inner parts or is connected to them, both kidneys with fat on them near the loins and the covering of the liver, which he will remove with the kidneys. 
just as the fat is removed from the ox, sacrifices a fellowship offering. Then the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering. The fat is burned up. And this doesn't just happen for the anointed priest's sin offering. It happens for each of the other offerings. You can look them up this afternoon. You can work your way through and see that the same sacrifice is made again and again. The blood is, the, the hand is put on, the animal is slaughtered, then the uh, blood is sprinkled, and then the fat is burned up. But what happens next? What happens to the rest of the animal? The blood is taken, the fat is burned up, but there's still a lot of the animal left over. What happens to the rest of the animal for the sin offering? Well, the rest of the animal is taken outside the camp. And we read that in verse 11 of Leviticus 4. Leviticus 4, verse 11. But the hide of the bull and all its flesh, as well as the head and legs, the inner parts and offal, that is, all the rest of the bull, he must take outside the camp to a place ceremonially clean where the ashes are thrown and burn it in a wood fire on the ash heap. The rest of the animal is taken outside the camp, and that's also given uh, in verse 21 as well. When the whole Israelite community has sinned and a sin offering is offered, verse 21 reads, then he shall take the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. This is the sin offering for the community. Now, what is the significance of taking this sacrifice outside the camp? Why not just burn it all up? And the altar inside the camp? Why not burn it up there? Why not destroy it there? Why burn it outside the camp? Well, of course, the place outside the camp is a place of shame. It's a place outside the community of Israel. Outside of the camp is where the diseased are, where people who are unclean because of infectious diseases. And an example of that is given to us in Leviticus chapter 13. Turn with me there, just a few pages forward. Leviticus chapter 13, page 109 of the Black Church Bibles. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. After describing an infectious disease that the priest has examined and concluded it is an infectious disease and makes the person unclean, we read in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, page 109. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Outside the camp is for those who are unclean, for those who are infectious, for those who could damage the community if they're allowed inside the camp. Also, outside the camp is where the seriously sinful are killed. Where the seriously sinful are killed. An example of that is found on page 122, Leviticus chapter 24. Turn with me there. Leviticus chapter 24, reading from verse 10. So page 122, Leviticus chapter four, uh, 24, I should say, verse 10, where we read, now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse. So they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Dibri the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. 
All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, if anyone curses his God, he will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. The entire assembly must stone him, whether an alien or native-born. When he blasphemes the name, he must be put to death. If anyone takes the life of a human being, he must be put to death. Anyone who takes the life of someone's animal must make restitution, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbour, whatever he has done must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he has injured the other, so he is to be injured. Whoever kills an animal must make restitution, but whoever kills a man must be put to death. You are to have the same law for the alien and the native born. I am the Lord your God. So here we see a situation where the Israelites have this man who has blasphemed God's name and they ask the Lord what is to happen to this man and he says he must be put to death outside the camp and the Israelites then follow through on the Lord's command. We read in verse 23 of Leviticus chapter 24, then Moses spoke to the Israelites and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him. The Israelites did as the Lord commanded him, uh, commanded Moses. And so here we see that the outside the camp is for those who are those who rebel against God. And it's not just the blasphemer that is stoned. We see another example of this in uh, Numbers chapter 15, Numbers chapter 15, which is found on page 146. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32. This is an example of someone breaking God's commands. Another example. So we've had the blaspheming example. Here's another one in Numbers chapter 15, verse 32. While the Israelites were in the desert, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. So for serious sin, we see that the person is taken outside the camp to the place of shame and killed outside there. So there, it is clear to everyone that this person is not part of the Israelite community. This person has sinned grievously against God and they're being put to death outside the camp. So the place outside the camp is the place of shame. It's a place where you lose the privileges of those who are inside the camp. Imagine if you had an infectious disease and you're no longer allowed to be part of the people inside the camp. It means you're now outside the city walls. You're outside the place of protection. If enemy comes, you are no longer in a safe position. And you're not able to interact with those inside the city walls who can give you food, can give you uh, shelter, who can give you clothing. You cannot do the trade that you would like to do inside the city walls. You are outside the camp. And of course, then you're also cut off from the, act, uh, the spiritual places. You're cut off from access to God through the temple. If you can no longer go inside the camp, then you can no longer offer sacrifices for your sins. And so it is a place of shame if you are put outside the camp. So that's the Israelites. We see here in Leviticus 4 that there's sin offerings that have to be made and the sin offering is a substitute for you. For your sin, you put your hand on the head of the animal, the blood is sprinkled on the altar, the fat is burned up and then the rest of the body is taken outside the camp where you should go because of your sin. But instead of you going outside the camp, the animal goes out in your place. 
It is a true substitute. It substitutes for you in terms of its death being slaughtered there. It, and then it also is a substitute for you in the place that you should go. You should be outside the camp. But that's the Israelites. You may be saying, what happens to me today if I sin against God, if I blaspheme against God? What should happen to me? Well, my second main point this morning is that you as a sinner should be taken outside the camp as well. You as a sinner should be taken outside the camp. The Bible is clear that all of us are sinners. That includes myself up here this morning, but also everyone here who is gathered. We have all sinned against God. The Bible in, uh, tells us this in Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter what nation you belong to. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned against God. And so that then means that we should be excluded from God's kingdom. We should not be a part of God's kingdom inside God's camp. And this has been the pattern that has been set from the very beginning, from the first sin of Adam and Eve. There has been exclusion from God's presence as a result of sin. What happened to Adam and Eve after they sinned against God? They were removed from the garden. They were removed from God's presence. We read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, So the Lord God banished him, that's Adam, from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. It starts there at the beginning. This is the way God acts towards those who sin against him. To those who break his commands, he excludes them from his presence, from his blessing. He casts them outside rather than allowing them to be inside the camp, his kingdom, with him and his blessings. And so you and I should be excluded from God's kingdom to come, his heavenly kingdom. And we read that in Revelation 22, verse 15. In Revelation 22, verse 15, it, in that, those last chapters of Revelation speak so clearly about the new kingdom that is coming, the, the heaven that God will make. But what does it say in Revelation 22, verse 15? It says, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Outside the kingdom of God, outside heaven, are those who sin against God. Which, if we're honest, we recognize that includes us. We are sexually immoral. We are murderers. How often have you hated someone who wanted someone to die? We are idolaters. We make idols out of so many things in our lives. We are people who love and practice falsehood. Lies just come out so easily. We love and practice falsehood. We tell falsehoods rather than the truth. So where do we deserve to be? Outside the camp. Just like Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden, we also need to be cast outside God's camp. Unless there is the possibility of a sin offering. Unless there is a sin offering that we can bring before God and that sin offering is taken outside the camp in our place. And you might be thinking, oh, well, I have to go get a bull or get a goat and I'll be able to do it. I follow the commands in Leviticus 4. But the Bible tells us that there's a far superior sin offering that has been offered. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. And that brings me to my third main point this morning. Jesus, as a sin offering, was taken outside the camp. Jesus, as a sin offering, was taken outside the camp. 
See, when Jesus died at the cross, he was taking the curse that we deserve for our sin upon himself. That's what Galatians 3 verse 13 teaches us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus was hung on a tree. He was hung on, and not in the sense of the wild, wild west in the States where they hang someone on a tree. He was hung on a tree in that he was nailed to wood. He was nailed to wood which comes from a tree. And that represents the fact that he was cursed on our behalf. Because of our sin, we deserve to be hung on a tree. We deserve to be cursed. But Jesus was cursed on our behalf. And so then because of that curse that was put upon him, he was taken outside the camp. He was made a sin offering for us and was taken outside the camp. And that's what the author of Hebrews wants to make clear in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, that passage that we had read for us just earlier, where it picks up on this idea in the Old Testament of taking animal sacrifices outside the camp and says, look at those animal sacrifices in the Old Testament actually point to the, something that Jesus did for us. Hebrews chapter 13. Turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 13, which is found on page 1194. Hebrews chapter 13. Reading from verse 11, page 1194, where we read, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. Where does he get this information from? Of course, from the Old Testament, Leviticus 4. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Jesus suffered outside the city gate, just as those animals, many, many animals over the centuries would have been taken outside the city gates as a sin offering to represent the fact that they should be taken, the sinner himself should be taken outside the camp, but instead that animal is taken outside in their place, so Jesus also is taken outside the camp and killed there. Jesus suffered outside the city gates. And we read that this actually happened. In, gospel, in the Gospels we read of it in John 19, for example, verse 17. John 19, verse 17, we read, Carrying his own cross, he, that's Jesus, went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a, notion, a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. It was near the city. It wasn't in the city. It was near the city that Jesus was crucified. So when Jesus was crucified outside the camp, Jesus was being excluded from God's kingdom. He was being excluded from God's place. And if you remember, the reason given by the high priest for why Jesus should be crucified outside the camp is because he was seen to be a blasphemer. What happens in the Old Testament to blasphemers? They're taken outside the camp and stoned. We see an example of that actually happening where a man blasphemed the name of the Lord, and he was taken outside the camp and stoned there. Jesus was condemned as a blasphemer. What, what was the other reason that someone was killed outside the camp? They broke the Sabbath day. What was something that the Pharisees had a real issue with, with Jesus Christ? 
It was because of his, his attitude towards the Sabbath. They were condemning him as a blasphemer, a Sabbath breaker, someone who did not uphold God's law. And he was then taken outside the camp and crucified there. But why would Jesus allow that to happen? Why would Jesus, if he's the son of God, why would he allow humans to take him outside the camp and kill him? Well, it's because he was giving himself as a sin offering so that we could go inside the camp, so that we could be made holy through his blood. And that's what the author tells us in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 13. The author of Hebrews tells us in verse 12, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Because that's what the sin offerings do in the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 4, we see again and again that it says that the reason these sin offerings are given is so that atonement might be made. So atonement might be made. That people who are at, uh, in, in, uh, rebels against God, they're in discord with God, are then made right with God. They're brought back into relationship with God because the animal takes the guilt and is then taken outside the camp so the person can remain in a right relationship with God. And that's what we need. We need a sin offering. We need to transfer our guilt to someone else and have them taken outside the camp so that we can then go inside the camp and be with God forever. Because that's where we want to be. We want to be in heaven. We want to be where all the blessing is. Far more blessing than the blessings of being inside your home today. There is far more blessing in heaven than is in your refrigerator at home or the television set that you have at home, the toys that you have there. There is far more blessing in heaven. And that is where we can go if we have Jesus Christ as our sin offering. And that's what the Bible tells us, is that if we accept through repentance and faith Jesus as our sin offering, then we can go into that heavenly home and we can even join God's kingdom here and now in this world. We can join in with people who experience the blessing of God in this world. Who are those people? Where's God's camp today? Well, it's his church, usually found in the form of a local church. And we at Dremoyne Baptist take very seriously who is inside and who is outside the camp of Dremoyne Baptist. Because we have a particular care, a particular love for those who are inside the camp. We have a particular priority for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. We see our first responsibility is to them as opposed to those around us. Yes, we'll help other people in the community. But our real responsibility is to those who are inside the camp. Those who have transferred their sin to Jesus Christ and are now amongst us. And so we are very careful about asking those who want to join us, are they repentant of their sin? Are they trusting in Jesus Christ? If they're not, then they're not allowed to be inside the camp. They're not allowed to be a member of the church. They're welcome to come to our Sunday services, but there are things and there are different privileges that they're not privy to because they're not inside the camp. They're not uh, allowed to have that special love. We don't have that particular responsibility as members of Dremoyne Baptist to those who are outside the camp. And then, of course, there is that heavenly camp that we're allowed to be a part of one day as well if you trust in Jesus Christ. 
And that is what is taught to us in Revelation chapter 22 as well. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, we read, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may, ha may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Revelation 22:14. Blessed are they who, those who wash their robes, wash their robes in Christ, in Christ's blood, that they may have the right to the tree of life. They can live forever and may go through the gates into that city, into the city. That is what the Bible tells us, is that you deserve to be outside the camp, but if you trust in Jesus Christ and he is a sin offering for you, then you can go inside the gates to that heavenly city, which is described so beautifully for us in Revelation 22, 21 and 22. This afternoon, take some time to read through Revelation 21 and 22 and recognize that you can go through the gates one day and be in that heavenly home if you trust in Jesus Christ. So do you recognize that you should be outside the city of God because of your sin? That you have no place inside God's kingdom because you've rebelled against the king. You've blasphemed the name of God so many times and so you do not deserve to be in his presence and have his blessings. And so then have you recognized that and then cast yourself upon Jesus Christ? Have begged that Jesus Christ would be the sin offering for you, that Jesus Christ would bear the curse for you at the cross outside the camp, that he would go outside the camp in your place so that then you can go inside. And if you've done that, do you take advantage of the fact that you are now a citizen of God's kingdom, that you are now allowed inside the camp? Do you make sure that you're inside the camp of God here on earth, his church, plugging yourself into a local church so that you can receive the benefits that come of being inside the camp? Because to be outside the camp here in this world is dangerous. Just like it would have been if you were cast outside the Israelite community in the Old Testament, it would have been dangerous. Wild animals are out there and enemies are out there outside the city walls. It is dangerous to be outside the camp. And so it is if we today think that it's okay to be a Christian and not actually be a part of a local church. It's dangerous. Satan is a roaring lion who prowls around looking for people to devour. Where do lions pick off people? It's outside camps. You need to be inside a local church. You need to have people encouraging you, supporting you, protecting you, looking after you, because it's dangerous outside. And it's a privilege to be able to go inside the camp. You don't deserve to be part of a local church because you're a sinner. But because of the sin offering of Jesus Christ and his going outside the camp, you're allowed to go inside the camp and actually be a member of a local church and receive the, receive the blessing and benefits that happen with that. Are you a member of a local church? And do you, if you are a member, enjoy the benefits of that? Do you thank the Lord for giving you brothers and sisters in Christ who pray for you, who care for you, who will be there for you when you need help? And then also, do you look forward to that heavenly home, to that day when you'll pass through the city gates when you shouldn't? You shouldn't be allowed to. You should be outside with those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehoods. That is where all of us should be. 
But do you rejoice in the fact that you one day will pass through the city gates because Jesus went outside where those are who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Jesus went out there with your sin so that you could go in and be with God forever. Does that give you joy? Do you consider that regularly? That that is your citizenship? That is where you are looking forward to? So the things of this world, as different struggles come along, they fade so much because you know that one day you'll pass in through those city gates to a place where you shouldn't be, but you will be allowed to go. Let us come before our God in prayer now. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that your word speaks so clearly about the sacrifice of Christ, that it points to him throughout all its pages. Lord, we thank you that we see here, even in Leviticus 4, a passage that is quite obscure to us, that is pointing to Christ and the fact that he was taken outside the camp in our place. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that we are sinners, that we deserve to be outside your camp. We do not deserve to be a part of your church. We do not deserve to go into your heavenly city. But Lord, because Christ went outside the camp, we are allowed to go inside. We can be members of your church. We can go to heaven. So Lord, we pray that each and every one of us in this room this morning places their hand on Jesus in repentance and faith and has him as the sin offering that they need. And Lord, we pray that this may, we may recognize that because Christ has been outside the camp, we are then allowed to go inside. And we pray that this may give us great joy as we continue to seek and serve you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.